These fucking teenagers. These teenagers are not fucking anymore, and they're no longer teenagers because <laughs> we're now in a post. Just as nine eleven was the the you know, defining, uh, you know, the defining moment of pre and post uh, in the uh, in the in the aughts in the two thousand aughts. Uh, I think pre and post Gossip Girl is the defining moment uh, in the in the the teens in the o teens. Right, uh, and so we're now in in that post uh, uh, that post period. At least here on this uh, podcast, that we're coping a day a uh, day that will live in infamy. Exactly. Do you remember where you were? Matt, do you remember where you were when The Last Gossip Girl uh, aired? Yes, I, I remember very well. I had my ass firmly planted on the couch and I was reading your live tweets. Uh, no, I was actually out at a trendy restaurant with my girlfriend uh, and then I went home and watched That's really th- – that's where you should be during, right. the, uh, during the finale, the series finale of Gossip Girl. But right? I was reading your – she was getting progressively angrier and angrier at me because I kept reading your live tweets <laughs> while you were live tweeting. Uh, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that I am such a wonderful third party in your, in your relationship. <laughs> yeah, I feel like – you know, I, we, we sleep on opposite sides of the bed and it feels like you're, you're right there between us. You know? I'm the Holy Ghost. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, as you can – as you can hear, listeners, we are – even though there is no more Gossip Girl, we still are here. Right. And we're not just going to talk about talking about Gossip Girl for now. <laughs> no, that, would we be, could do that. that would be very That would be very interesting. Like, Ryan, remember that time that we had a podcast about Gossip Girl and we <laughs> we rung like 75 episodes from we should, that we, Yeah, premise. we should listen to our back episodes and then discuss <laughs> those episodes on here and like really critique them, uh, talk about the, the various sociological uh, implications of our interaction with one another with one on another right episodes. yeah and the the hermeneutics of the stutter i think would yeah. be a very big part of that no we're not here to do that um we're kind of in, we're kind of in an uh in an intercession right in a uh, if you have one of those schools where spring semester doesn't start till february sometimes there's like the, uh, a j term they call it j term or like an intercession where you take a kind of summer school like uh you know super intensive like four days a week class four days a week three hours a day class uh and get a semester's worth of material that's i feel like what we're in before we uh do the next big thing and uh, you know we floated we floated a couple of ideas all of, all of which are are i think interesting uh with with various shows but but um in the meantime uh apparently ryan discovered that there was this hbo show called girls last summer <laughs> or last uh last year that's coming back this sunday so uh what you bit did you how long did it take you did you binge watch all of girls yeah in one it week? was it's i mean you know it, it it was pretty much a day or two or right. it was it was like i the i gave the uh, DVDs to Cognac for uh, for Christmas, and so we watched the first disc uh, before la- leaving for the holidays, and the second disc right upon coming back. Uh, uh-huh. And so it's, I mean, they're what they're half hour episodes. So in like these two uh, 
150 minute blocks, right? Uh, essentially, uh, and you know, and and it, I had been interested in the show for a while, but not having um, having uh, neither HBO nor Waffles, um, I I just had not. Um, really found the the wherewithal to to watch it um and and you know very but my interest had been piqued in part because of the you know when it was airing back in uh the early part of this of 2012 i guess in march uh, march april 2012 uh you know it was all you could read about in kind of the popular press or the popular press that kind of you know, like New York magazine level um, media uh, media about media. Um, Which and, is what passes for the popular press in our circle, right? Like right, exactly. We don't yeah. go down as far as like what Star or, you know, no. Us Weekly or something like that or People. We, we are like, you know, New York Pop- magazine – London, London Review of Books, <laughs> the Times Literary Supplement. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and but then also specifically, I think that we um, got a email at some point. I used in- to subscribe to all that shit, by the way, and it got embarrassing because they piled up on my because they make a new one of those every two fucking weeks, and so they piled up on my floor a stack of TLS, a, t- a stack of London Review of Books, a stack of the New York Review. Uh, keep up if you are doing that professionally, right? Uh, <laughs> it would be impossible. Yeah, I don't know how. I mean, I I don't know how it it's possible, especially considering the huge volume of like online reading that now I do in addition to in addition to that. So now I, now I sort of now I sort of Tim Ferriss my way out of it, which is to say, I sit in my hammock and expect the the really important news to find me. Right, you'll know when it when it's when it's news, you'll see it retweeted enough that you then know to um to to take a look at it in your Insta paper. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, but then the, I think the or uh, you know someone sends it to you, right? And and uh and in addition to the general buzz and hum about girls, um, uh, overthinker Jordan Stokes sent us an email and said, "Are you essentially something to the effect of Are you guys planning on talking about girls? Because it seems to be." right in your wheelhouse um and so i think this kind of frames the two things that we want to talk about on this kind of right uh, in this j term module of tft uh, <laughs> is like should we be talking about girls uh at all um and you know is it a tft worthy show um and then we want to kind of uh discuss the critical discussion with an eye to the show, uh, and particularly with uh, respect to the back half of season one. So, uh, sure, and that's a- yeah, and that's yeah. the part that I went when when it was clear uh, Wednesday that we were going to record this on Friday. Uh, yesterday, I binge watched the back half of season uh, of season one in preparation, and that is uh, from five through ten, right? Yeah, yeah, from uh, Lena Flux, a pharmacist, uh, through. Um, the you know the long F train to Coney Island of the soul. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Um, and so we'll we'll kind of you know basically zoom in and out from like the macro picture or kind of you know broad you know extra textual or uh, position of like the discussion of this uh, in, in the pop culture into some specific uh, episodes and scenes uh, as they as they see as we see fit. Great. Uh, our purposes. Well, do you want to? I mean, do you want to? Uh, shall I ask the question, or will you ask the question? Is our teenagers, teenagers 
fucking. Fucking. Yeah, rarely uh-huh. is the question asked, is our teenagers fucking? And so, I mean, that's the question that we ask. Um, that's the question that we ask. And, and we've sort of developed a lot of nuances uh, to that question because as of the... Always, as always, the answer is a contingent yes. yes. <laughs> well, right. I mean, uh, are there, they could be on the... Uh, they could be on the fucking effing continuum. Um, so, I mean, right. Like, well, I, right. So I think there's two axes here, right. That, um, that and maybe there, maybe there are three, but like, you know, this question as simple and possibly simplistic as it is basically breaks down to a two by two matrix, right. right? Of like the one dimension is fuckingness, right. um, uh, effingness. Uh, and the other dimension is, is teenagerdom, yep. right. Um, of, of, of age maturity social role um and then there's probably if there's a third dimension it's about the uh the is question and about temporality uh consistency duration over time right so that and 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 so maybe let's start on on teenagers yes um, and and sort of um because this is the one where um in some ways it's, it seems to fail most obviously, right? And that these are, you know, the, the kind of underthinking approach is like, well, no, because they're 20 somethings. Well, they're, right? co- they're college graduates, uh, right. Right. right? They're early, they're sort of early career professionals, though. I mean, of course, it's, it's part of the point that we don't really see them, we don't really see them do, do any work. But let me, I, actually, just to play devil's advocate, Ryan, let me take the, let me take the, um, no, these aren't teenagers' positions, because uh, sure. I think there's interesting things to say about it, at least, and then you tell me why I'm wrong, because I, I agree with, I agree with what you're, I agree with the, uh, the arguments that I imagine you will level against the point that I'm about to make. But okay. um, I, the text that I want to like hold up as a similar or, or as a, a point of comparison um, to this is uh, Ali McBeal. Hmm. And the, the idea that she is a young professional woman, uh, right, sort of dealing with the trials and tribulations of single life in the city, um, that city being Boston, because, of course, it's a David E. Kelly show and that's all he does, I guess. Um, I want to I want to make the contrarian argument that Ali McBeal, though, though in her 30s and more established as a professional, um, is more of a teenager or is sort of free to be more of a teenager than Lena Dunham and and the girls and girls are free to be because <laughs> the the whole material question, the whole am I going to make rent question, the whole all that uh, is taken care of because it's assumed they're making, you know, uh you know, whatever big law firm associate salaries in the low six figures, they can afford their, you know, um, apartments and they can afford to go out for drinks at the, they can afford to go out for like $24 martinis every night at the bar with Vonda Shepard playing the piano. Right. And so when you take, when you essentially have this sort of provider of, of material well-being um, in the form, you know, in the form of a job, um, you're free to sort of concentrate entirely on soap opera uh you know does he like me or doesn't he whereas at least um Mm. at least notionally uh one of the things that you see the girls and girls struggling with is like well where is the rent gonna come from you know right well and that's interesting or it's that it is in the relationship between 
the rent and some outside authority figure from a parent, right? right? Essentially, right? That that in um, you know, in girls, there is there is one set of conflicts or conflicts or themes that are about kind of agency and being an individual, right? right. And on the one hand, wanting to be this free agent of yourself, um, uh, and on the other hand, um, and you know, th- these are in part all people who are like all characters um, are involved in various kind or many of the characters are involved in various kinds of like creative pursuits right sure. they're like i mean specifically um, lena dunham's character uh, hannah uh, is is an aspiring writer um, and you see that with um, her on again off again boyfriend adam as well right who um, does um, you know plays and and various kinds of art um, and and you have a sense that a lot of the characters here um, you know are wanting to you know have autonomy both kind of in their lives as as young adults um, and that also kind of reflects the autonomy that they want in kind of what what it is that they do that you know they don't want a job because what they are is a is a creator um, but like because of their the, this that that drive um, kind of is uh, you know overlaps or is in, in conflict with the reality of of like wanting to do that in New York City and having to pay the rents in New York City um, means that there is like lots of angst about this question and it's it's not because it's not the point necessarily that it's uncertain about where the money could come from it's that where else other than a parent or a paternalistic state uh would the money come from to live in this way of to to produce art um with no strings attached uh as a as a beginning art producer right like um and and that 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 you know is uh and we've talked a little bit about a lot about the production of art um and the kind of um the the portrayal of the production of art in fiction, uh, especially in talking about Gossip Girl, um, and that you know that this is a typically a market failure, and that, you know all these people have their BAs from Oberlin that they could use to get a variety of jobs, um, and so that's not really the 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 conflict in so much as it is wanting to have that and negotiating kind of parental authority around that whereas in Ally McBeal there's not angst around that because they have their you know their parent the new parent is the the law firm right that is not that they are you know kind of is so taken care of there's just not a question about it and they've you know sold out in that way and there is this bargain that is made um that uh is not i mean i don't recall ally mcpeel so well but like it's not as front and center as it is in girls because in some ways the it's much more under negotiation if that makes sense sure i yeah and i think that that's right and i think that that's the answer and and we're sort of developing a theory of adolescence as that that time of life when you are when one is free to ask how ought i to live right? <laughs> yeah like yeah. and that's that's um that's sort of different from you know i don't know from thinking of it as being you know being a teenager specifically or um because it it allows you to kind of be a number of different ages uh and still ask those you know still ask those questions um still ask this question so yeah i mean we are on the we are on the uh tft continuum i think in terms of of teenagerness right 
Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, right. And, and I mean, in some ways it's intensely teenagerdom in, in part because of the nature of like either implicit or explicit of like the relationship with the parents and the self being defined um, in opposition to that. Right. And I, and you know, the first episode um, in this arc that we watched, I mean, in some ways echoes the first episode of the series, right? That in some ways there's an engagement. Hannah, Hannah has the Hannah character, Lena Dunham's character engages with her parents in the first and fifth episodes of the series. In the first one, um, they come to New York to cut her off. Um, and in, because they've been supporting her since uh, she graduated from college. And, uh, in the fifth episode, she goes home in part to ask them to turn the faucet back on. Um, right. And uh, and it's a very interesting episode that has like a, it's it feels very different in kind of tone and and structure from um, the other episodes because it's only focusing on Hannah and people in Michigan, right? And so that is you know and again there's kind of two plot lines. One is that Hannah hooks up with a guy from her high school who still lives in Michigan uh, and is like a pharmacist and works for his dad's pharmacy, and the other is that. Hannah's parents well, is, and, and specifically is like co-owner with his dad of the pharmacy that that's like, you know, he has a stake in the family business, which I think yeah. is important. Yeah. Why is that important? I was going to. Well, because he he sort of owns a piece of the dream. That is to say he's a capitalist, at least, you know, notionally a capitalist and not. Uh, not merely a consumer, right? That is to say, he can give products away for free, like pantyhose and personal lubricant. Right. You know, he has that kind of in his gift, as it were. Um, and, uh, oh, and what? The the other thing is that it sort of marks him as being somehow more grown up than than Hannah. Well, right. It, it, it's, it's interesting is that, like, an, another side of this is that... Um, it's the, yeah. There is an interesting tension of in and engaging with both him and with the other um, people like from her high school of both on the one hand being more grown up because there's this like you see some of this logic of this just the inexorable march forward towards adulthood right that you go to college you like um, get this job um, you. You meet this person, and you know these things happen. The boxes get ticked, right? And that it's on the one hand that happens, and that is, you know, held side by side with like the dance routine that happens at the benefit for the like kidnapped like member of their like high school class, right? It was like disappeared on a trip to uh to some island. Right. And that and that that party feels very much like a high school or college party, right? And so that on the one hand, it, it indicates that certain types of behavior like uh, of of like kind of youthful behavior are not unusual for for twenty somethings, but that um, th- that what has broken in some parts by this kind of the the urbanization and displacement to New York is that it's out of the bounds of certain other types of like kind of peer pressures and like parental authority structures that keep the clock ticking, right? And that New York 
um, seems to, uh, as is depicted in Girls, is this this petri dish where there's such a critical mass of twenty somethings who are coming from all over and from you know the um, Ivy League schools and uh, and and liberal arts colleges of of the nation and then are landing in Brooklyn largely. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's this petri dish that allows them to kind of pause that clock a little bit and and live in a slightly different way and i think that um that the you know the the trip and yet and yet right like there's it functions in another way also which is to say after the dance routine the thing that that uh hannah says is does she know that she's not at the level you know, that she's going to go out to L.A. and be a dancer and that, you know, and she's doing that honey boo boo shit. I mean, there was no honey boo boo. It was a simpler time. But, um, you know, that right. So that that in, in addition to sort of. I, I don't know. It, it sort of I, it removes uh, certain of the pressures, but it also exposes you to the market right the the kind of the ideological market or the artistic market uh and and sort of doesn't insulate you. So like it's I I think it's not a, a very simple dichotomy. It's a it's a kind of on the one hand this, on the other hand that. Right? Like on the one hand you're free from the you you get kind of off the the treadmill uh, of the the kind of small town box ticking um, adult like adult life box ticking. On on the other hand, uh, you start. Um, you start seeing yourself as sort of being in competition with a bunch of, uh, you know, with the market of, of professional artists or with the sort of market of, uh, you know, artists on a national or international scale and sort of yeah. start measuring yourself against that rather than, you know, hey, I'm the only girl who can put on this dance talent show yeah. at the benefit. So I am the best dancer in Peoria or wherever the hell she is. Yeah, and you start to see how the sausage gets made, right? Um, and and I think it's interesting because you see that as well in the um, in the episode called I think Leave Me Alone, right? In which um, someone, uh, which another writer from uh, Hannah's. Uh, college writing program, I think played by Jenny Slate, um, has become famous for writing a memoir, right? And um, and that a lot of the episode kind of focuses around the sort of the, the Mark Marin level of like, you know, kind of judgment and disgust and hate and jealousy and rage that that hannah feels towards this uh this this character uh because it's it's existential right that it's both it's on the one hand existential because she is a writer but then it's also about you know a this market competition that yourself or this kind of curated image of yourself is the thing that is put out there and and so i think that episode is very interested interesting in like really looking at that a little bit and that like flip side of what it is that that um you know she does and i i think this just like you know you said earlier that uh you met said something about them not having jobs and, and in some ways um this was pulled from a um an article uh that you that you sent me by uh Bill Dreschowitz, right? Um that is um like a dissenting opinion on girls. An interesting the- yeah, I mean an, a a really interesting guy by by the way. Bill Dreschowitz was a, a professor of English at Yale and then quit the academy because he felt like he couldn't like in all good conscience uh 
uh, like you know participate in the the big lie anymore of like the elite uh the elite uh, private school lie and so now i think like moving he's a the- roving he, now he's a roving bandit basically right <laughs> yeah, exactly like he yeah he found he found that he could not be a double agent right he couldn't take down the system from within uh despite despite trying and i actually was in a class before i dropped it um you know because it didn't help me get a job at mckinsey uh the uh, um, uh, I was in in a class that he taught, and he was a, a really good teacher. But it was clear that like he saw himself as making a play for your soul, you know, as as uh, in the course of talking to you about like Joseph Conrad and uh, and whatnot. So um, so yeah, he moved to the like he he decided that the dream of the 1890s is alive in Portland and moved there, and now you know fires off these missives for the American Scholar uh, online. Um, I mean, you know, talk about a kind of troubled, fraught relationship with, with like, privilege and achievement. The American Scholar is the, the you know, organizational rag of uh, Phi Beta Kappa. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway... Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. So I sent you this. I I sent you this this article. Sorry, I, I just no, no. Go it. ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I, no, no. I was in part setting you up to talk about this. Yeah, okay. So uh, so part of the article. like part of the um, part of what he says. I mean, or at least the main the main thrust of what he says is like the kind of the malaise, uh, the kind of like um, professional malaise. Uh, that these that these young women are in feels to him as, as a college professor, a, a person with a lot of experience with with uh, people this age, um, inauthentic because you know there's no one more careerist you know than than a recent graduate of a uh, you know of a of an elite school right of a very selective college right like the, right. everyone is everyone is so fucking. Um, uh, I don't know. So fucking ambitious all the time, and you know, it seems to me that that uh, that he's right. I mean, not me, but many of my <laughs> uh, many of my colleagues like went immediately to sort of work long hours and uh, um, you know sacrifice a lot of of personal time and space uh, in the name of in the name of career, um, and, and and did not spend a lot of time floating around to to find themselves i guess i'm the representative of sort of floating around to 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 find myself among my my peer group but but i think then i mean this is the question of is i think specifically honing in on on hannah um is what she is doing is it representative of floating around to find herself or is that you know, is she doing the work, you know, of of artistic production uh, in the way that it, it can be supported in a you know context where there isn't support for the production of art, right? That like you know, I, I mean, I would I would argue that um, you know, contra uh, dresso is, is that you know, in fact, she is um, you know, she could if she were more risk averse, um, you know go to an MFA program or go to graduate school for English uh, or American studies um, or um, could work in publishing um, but is in fact, you know, like at least implicitly recognizes that that's not really how it happens. And that, and those are, um, even though those are like the steps of, you know, that's another kind of kind of 
um, feeder tube that you that you go into, but she is in fact, you know, doing the work of of writing while um, while you know trying to essentially continue to own as much of that as possible, um, and yet you know pay pay the bills, um, and so. I mean, so so I guess that is an alternative in interpretation, um, and I I mean I feel that in some ways that that like at least at the narrative level is in an interesting way a lot of what girls is about, and and I think that even though it's being viewed and a lot of the criticism views it um, as an ensemble piece, um, this is very, very much about Hannah, and it's very, very much about Lena Dunham, right? That um, in some ways, as like, you know, Hannah... I think I think what's really interesting as I watch, especially the back half of Girls, um, is that as we see... And you this- spend a lot of the show watching her back half. Oh, oh, wow. It took us we're 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 a half hour in and it was only <laughs> the first reference of nudity. It's amazing. It's a new re- uh uh new new refer- uh, new new record for us. For um, um, for restraint, you mean. A new record for restraint, exactly. Yeah. Um but so I think that one thing that you you see is that in some ways the fact that you are seeing Hannah trying to write her novel in this in this context is you see this because Lena Dunham has succeeded at doing this, at, at writing and directing first um, a movie that was kind of the predecessor to this, uh, Tiny Furniture, um, and then like writing this this series um, as well. And I think that a lot of the method, right? That well, you know what, why it seems in some ways that like you know Hannah is is floundering rather than. Um, than than working is that like a lot of her writing is is writing in a notebook about her friends, um, but it sure seems and about her experiences and about her sexual exploits um, and embarrassments. Um, but it it seems quite likely that um, and you know from some of the the press and 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 writing and critical discussion on on girls that this was also how girls came to be uh, uh, in the first place. Um, with one very, very important difference, right. which is that um, – and maybe this is not the difference that you're picking up, but that um, in some ways – right? so that what's interesting about girls is that the, in the fictional world of girls and Hannah and her friends, they are these people who are, have come to New York, as I was saying earlier, as outsiders um, and – because it is the place where these things happen, right? And so they are people who are not even on the radar in the world of Gossip Girl, right? That they're like they are sub sub Humphrey, right? Um, <laughs> because they are they are like grown ups who like have come to New York, um, and you know if they are lucky, you know like you know Jesso will uh, have children with her venture capitalist uh, husband uh, who then will go to St. Jude's or, or Constance Billard, right? Uh, and, and then that, that generation will become the, the you know, they, they will start the next iteration of Gossip Girl. But, you know, so that the, the, these characters are depicted as being, you know, part of this um, world of, of Gossip Girl, not really the, the capitalists, right? They are this depicted as this, this petty bourgeois, um, you know, kind of nouveau rich or not even nouveau riche, but like kind of just nouveau, like new to New York, um, nouveau New Yorkers. Um, but what's interesting is that 
all of the like Dunham herself and all of the actresses are very much you know they went like Lena Dunham um and the actress that uh that that plays uh Jessa both went to a New York prep school right like a New York private school um i don't know if it's as preppy as the prep schools uh depicted in gossip girl but they you know they are from that milieu um, um and and they are new yorkers and new yorkers much more in the way that is legible of the real world equivalent of our gossip girlites um and then the two other uh, uh, actresses are daughters of famous people, right? Of Zosia Mamet, daughter of David Mamet, and uh, didn't Brian go to, Williams. Didn't daughter. go to college, but went to Crossroads. Oh, really? My uh, yeah, went to my high school. Huh? No, uh, you know which produ- has produced. Well, never mind. My high school has produced Wikipedia Crossroads. If you want to know about it, but yeah, yeah, she went to an LA equivalent of the maybe the most artsy that you can imagine of those uh, uh, of those New York prep schools. Right. So that there's uh, and 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 then the uh, actress that plays uh, Marnie is Brian Williams's daughter, um, NBC newscaster Brian Williams's daughter. Um, and so, what's interesting about the show is that you know, and we can talk a little bit more about the actual nature of. Um, the there's kind of two things that come from this. We, you can we can kind of pick up whichever one is more interesting to you right off the bat. So on the one hand, I think that what we see as we go on is that you know in fact part of why there are like characters are, that are not fleshed out or that are not well rounded uh, as is, uh, you know mentioned that Zosia Mamet's character is kind of a caricature um, and that. Part of that is because of the self-centered nature of the like of of Lena Dunham slash Hannah of like this is my story and I'm going to tell it as I see fit right this is not really an ensemble piece this is this kind of almost a uh, a Bildungsroman uh, and and specifically about herself right that girls is the story of how girls came to exist um, and, so- and there's a lot of I mean there's a lot that's very that's very interesting uh, to sort of to say about that but but what was the other what's the other avenue. Other one is what I, I was just pointing out is that you know in fact the problematic aspect or, uh, of girls is not even you know the, the people talk about like the depictions of privilege on girls itself at least in of the characters or they talk about this problematic relationship to work but in some ways there's this other angle that's not really seen is that is this is essentially. Um, the class equivalent of blackface, right? This is yes, petty, that's it. Pet, petty bourgeois face. Um, that that these are gossip girl characters putting on the trappings of being um, uh, nouveau New Yorkers, um, and and I think that that is also worth considering, right? Is that um, it's 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 if. The characters of Gossip Girl dressed up and acted like Dan Humphrey uh, and pretended as if they were they were speaking to that the the experience of the Humphrey. So it's this really interesting gossip inverse of Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl is about Dan Humphrey uh, infiltrating and ultimately reshaping um, that milieu. This is about the opposite kind of direction, and so we can. I, I'd like well, to take yeah, but this is the. I mean, this is the. Um, and I think the two things you know, the two things 
that you're talking about are actually really related. That is to say, why would it be important for someone like Lena Dunham in terms of kind of shaping her own mythology, right? And in terms of kind of like even sort of negotiating her her, her own kind of conception of herself because like, well, I, we actually haven't even gotten into sort of talking about the series as as a work kind of in itself and sort of bracketing out the the um some of the 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 critical stuff but my like my uh and there was kind of an interesting timeline when the show came on the air because there was a lot of press leading up to it because it was sort of legitimately unlike a lot of stuff that was on tv then you watched it uh or and it got a little over it got a little overplayed but then you watched it and it's like oh this is really interesting and kind of different and pretty good um and then uh the critical backlash sort of having to do with with identity politics having to do with privilege having to do with race and stuff like that um hit and then and then you know just internet hate is gonna hate you know like uh, everyone everyone uh is hannah like we are all hannah's right when we're watching lena dunham watching our our friend from college get a book deal for millions of dollars uh you know which is what which is what she has now but like what but uh, you know setting that aside what why would it be important for someone like her to see themselves as an outsider struggling to an outsider struggling to fit in um, in order to talk about her own kind of spiritual education or her own sort of uh, the, the, you know, the evolution of her character, um, uh, you know, over the course of, over the course of her twenties. I mean, which she, she's, she's the same age as her character, right? Like it's, it's one of the remarkable things about it. I, I didn't have that much perspective on myself at the time, you know? And I think that like, um, there's enough, uh, there's enough distance and perspective on these characters that I, I, I'm actually kind of amazed sometimes by the, by the, you know, what seems to be, and I wonder if that's the, the influence of like Judd Apatow or, or Jenny Connor or something like that. Who is Jenny Connor? Jenny Connor is the, is the, uh, co-show runner is the other executive producer. Got it. Uh, who's not Judd Apatow, but she's the one who's on set day in, day out. Got it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so wait, we'll, 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 so tell me a little more about how they're, so I see that, um, so let's just kind of cash that out though, about these two points of the kind of, you know, girls as the story of the making of girls and this kind of, and I think you were, were you were cashing this out a little bit. Um, but I'm, let's, I'm trying to think um, how we can go can can go deeper on that um, with respect to the 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 show itself. Well, it's. Um, I mean, I think that it's. You know, I think that every this sort of everyone is sort of an outcast. Like everyone sort of sees themselves as an outcast sometimes, right? Like the it's difficult. Um, Especially, you know, especially for artists, I mean, especially for for people who sort of feed on adversity, right? Like, it's difficult to cope sometimes with the level, the level of, uh, the level of privilege you enjoy, right? Like, imagine what, what, what would a show that's actually, that actually reflects Lena Dunham's life at this, at her age, 
be like, right? Like script meetings, you know, writing a book, writing a book proposal, you know, I don't know, like choosing among publishers, you know, flying back and forth to do press. Right, right, uh, right, right, right. Like, but it's not about Lena Dunham's life now. It's also Lena Dunham's life when she was, you know, either, you know, writing tiny furniture or writing girls, right? And it's, it's, <laughs> You know, just from a perspective of kind of epistemology, like, you know, just both like she was never a person who was going to be like, um, you know, it's not like her outside option was never I could always go back to Michigan. Right. It's like I could always go back to Tribeca with my artist parents. Right. Both of her parents are like New York based visual artists. Yeah, I could right? I could always go back to my room in in that really awesome apartment that was in tiny furniture because we shot that in my parents' house. Right, exactly. And 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 that kind of taking it for grantedness is that that could never be undone, right? That that there is not this mystery about New York or that that sense of, of of danger, right? And so I think that that's and I think it also you know, it's that the reality of um the reality of how art gets produced. I mean, I think if you really want to be cynical or very critical about this about girls is that it perpetuates a myth that the that the art that gets made or the the art that becomes popular art um, and kind of commercially successful art comes from people like Hannah as opposed to people like Lena Dunham, right? That, um, yeah, yeah. Um, when in fact Meryl Streep chose your sweater, you know, five years ago. Exactly, exactly. Um, and it's and and it's also really kind of you know, it's interesting in that it's as kind of misleading as. Um, Gossip Girl, right, is is that in, in some ways the truth starts to come from a place that's somewhere between – in this liminal space between um, Gossip Girl and girls, right? That in fact – right, that there's not th- that many um, kind of of the like elite of New York, the elite teenagers and 20-somethings of New York are not necessarily – acting and talking like Blair Waldorf. Um, the, in fact, they are more like what look like um, hipsters, right? That there is a set of really out there kind of, um, you know, th- all these kind of fringes of society, you know, again, what uh, these Delusian war machines who are like, and I think Adam is more like this, right? The character of Adam, who is just in his dark apartment with no shirt on for the first, you know, five or six episodes. <laughs> um, and and is, is, is kind of much more this, and, and, and he's even probably less of that, but you know, is kind of willfully weird and willfully kind of scrapping and coasting along um, and kind of producing these things that are are, are exciting and weird and, and relevant, um, and then which then get adopted and selected up by the the real world, you know, by the Lena Dunham's of the world of the like cool the 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 hipsterati right the transnational syncretic hipsterati um and that in fact that is where a lot of this cultural production is happening of the like cool children of either people who are you know capitalists it's it's of the 
one percent. It's of either the one percent, like the of of you know capital holders, or the cultural capitalists, the people who already succeeded as uh, as um uh as artists, right? And so that that type of um you know comfort with the 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 this realm of cultural power is what is a prerequisite for being able to produce at that level because you don't have to spend the time figuring it out um and you don't have to like spend time surviving uh in the way um that that Hannah does right Hannah is in some ways Hannah's inability and we'll see what happens in season 2 but like that in some ways Hannah's struggles to both like feed herself and like write her novel or in some ways like akin to some of what I study of like the challenges of you know of promoting entrepreneurship and kind of capital creation in like subsistence societies in Africa that there's so much effort and capital goes into survival that like both time as a resource and capital and m- money as a resource is not really able to be invested in in growth right and so that there's a cycle of of subsistence um that you know leads to to poverty traps and so if you know if it ends up that the Hannah character becomes successful by the end. You know, if her, she writes a book, if she finishes the book and it gets picked up, then that is do, like actually telling this this fairy tale that is potentially very kind of propaganda for um, something that very much is in tension with um, you know how again the work actually got produced. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Girls plays with that tension. Um, and it could go one of two ways. Either it is propaganda and is kind of a um, you know, an opiate for the the, the, un, the unwashed mas- masses occupying what is the greater uh, the, the, the veiny the veiny, um, the veiny L train transect in, uh, in, in Brooklyn um, or, or it will take it in an interesting direction. Yeah, I, was, right? I don't know, like that last party, she got on the F train at York Street, like there's not a lot of subway service around there you know, like you're south of you're south of Williamsburg, pretty much at that point. I yeah, I don't know. I never lived in Brooklyn. Um. Yeah. That's that's right. I don't know why. Well, you could have you could think that she was um potentially right. Adam lived in a different part of Brooklyn, if right. I remember correctly. Um, more in that kind of more in the Park Slope range, or that that kind of outer like less gentrified um, neighborhoods adjacent to Park Slope, and so she plausibly could have been going to that part of um, that part of Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, because the two kind of trans- lines that go into to Williamsburg are the L train uh, that kind of goes through the heart of, of Williamsburg and Bushwick, uh, and then the JMZ line that um, kind of hits southern williamsburg uh and parts of 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 the gentrified some of the gentrified parts of uh bed if i'm not mistaken hmm. um but yeah so and in some ways though it's not totally important right these things take place in williamsburg and um and and uh green and they, they take place i mean they take place in an actual williamsburg right not like a gossip girlified williamsburg williamsburg is the opposite pole to the upper east side Right, it definitely feels, but at the same time, there's. It's also 
it's still a very notional Williamsburg. On the one hand, it's it looks and feels like Williamsburg and Greenpoint, but on the other hand, it's and and they they shoot in a few like the ca- the coffee shop that Ray works in and Hannah works in briefly. Um, like they actually call it Cafe Grumpy, and they shoot in the I believe the Cafe um, Grumpy on like Lorimer Street or near the Lorimer um, uh, subway stop. Uh, and, and so on the one hand, it like Gossip Girl fits in a real um you know kind of New York but it's but in in Williamsburg but on this other same uh on the other hand it's much more of this notional Williamsburg that is just this blur of kind of ugly ugly houses uh and and kind of you know lofts uh loft parties in Bushwick uh that are just kind of re you know they're not um, the the geography is not particularly important, right? The way things are related to each other, spatial like space space is not particularly important once you're in this world. Like you know, the Williamsburg as opposed to other things is important, but not really the everything else is a blur and a mishmash within within this Williamsburg, right? Um, yeah. So, but I think that um, kind of like circling back it'll be it, it, it remains to be seen whether this is i guess like part of this is that you know the, summing up my my argument or my the, the last bit of the discussion is that there's something potentially very kind of regressive um, about this message and i think I, I think there's a lot of like power to you know how this relates in the the continuing tension between the arc of the character and the arc of like artistic production um in the show and how that relates with the the work itself and what we know about its creation will be will create a lot of interesting meaning about this um second the second season yeah um when we, so, see, when we see what happens, I mean, I know we're close to we're close to ha- having to wrap up, but I also, I mean, I want to I want to talk about a couple of things because, like, it's there 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 is like a high sort of artistic quality to the show, and there are there are these sort of passages. I mean, I think actually Lena Dunham is probably a really good good filmmaker. Actually, probably a better filmmaker, better at the visual storytelling than than sort of at the writing. Right, because like a lot of the uh, some of the writing is a little insipid, and it actually sounds like I, uh, you know, maybe this is is sheer genius to to actually sound like, you know, the stupid arguments you have when when you're twenty, but uh, or twenty two or whatever. But but on the other hand, but like the 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 last bit, the like the you know F train ride of the soul, right, ending in in Coney Island, I guess, right, like that's that was just beautiful and lyrical and sort of extreme extremely restrained i thought and like uh um well uh well performed also i mean very sort of very sort of simple and not not tarted up with a lot of with a lot of gimmicks um and there are i think a lot of great images and sequences like that throughout throughout girls where for me that's uh, for me anyway that's where the action is artistically in this show rather than in a lot of these more 
more hotly contested areas, which is, you know, I don't know. I think that's where the show's heart is, honestly. And I, uh, that's where it's, it's getting all the, uh, that's where it's getting all the attention. But I, you know, I don't know. I don't want to lose sight of this kind of, these sort of quieter, tiny furniture-esque, uh, moments that are just very visually beautiful and, and done, done with a lot of restraint in the storytelling because they, they don't have this kind of, I don't know, frenetic need to entertain that you sort of associate with a lot of, um, uh, that you associate with a lot of young artists. And that is kind of parodied in the, the, in Adam's tech rehearsal with his wigger friend who, you know what I mean? Who wants to like tart everything up and make it all, uh, make it all funny. That's, I think that's really central and is like that disagreement and Adam's kind of storming out is, is very, you know, that that's very on it's, it's, it's kind of on point and very important without being kind of too on the nose. Right. It's, it's that itself, that point about kind of, you know, a statement of intent and kind of a product differentiation is, is relatively subtly done. Um, I think that what you're saying kind of puts, um, the show in league a lot with, I mean, it's always the closest, um, comparison on what like uh, shows that are currently on television. Um, and I think this comparison has been made a fair amount. Um, is particularly the most recent season of uh, Louis C.K.'s Louis, um, which really, I mean, over the three seasons has evolved into much more of a filmmaking project as well, right? A short filmmaking uh, project, um, and especially this most recent season of Louis has many similar types of um, both lyrical passages, but also very interesting uses of, of surrealism um, and kind of dream sequences and, and um, blurring the line between dream and reality. Yeah. Um, and in very uh, interesting ways. I mean, the third um, season of Louis is fucking beautiful, right? Like took me a while to get into the first season. I thought the second season was really good, but the third season is, is just off the charts. It's like, there's, it's something amazing. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I think that that's, I don't know what there is there. Um, I mean, so, so I guess here's the question from the, the perspective of like, the, you know, our lens of analysis. So why is this kind of, you know, since one thing that TFT is also about, I mean, to do the sociology is about kind of, you know, the art criticism and, and thinking about like narrative storytelling, serialized story, storytelling. Why is this kind of move? important right what does the i mean so the fact that it is beautiful and you kind of have a reaction to this what what is important about this right how does how does the kind of art of it and the meaning of it intersect with the kind of social science of it and the sociology of it well yeah i mean for me it's a um and this is actually this is a lot more clear no it's actually there are two there there are bizarre economic arrangements tied up with the production of, of Louis and the production of girls, right? Like, uh, with girls, it's the fact that HBO is a subscription thing, uh, is a subscription series so that as long as, you know, they have enough people paying to make these kind of shows, they don't have to worry about ratings in quite the same way that, um, that the networks do. And I mean, HBO does have ratings and they do worry about them and shows that aren't seen by enough people do get, uh, do get kicked off the air on, on HBO, but it's like, do enough. It's, I think their metric is like, do enough people sign up in the run up to particular shows, right? Like that's actually the, 
um, that's actually the metric that's important to them because it's it's subscription based. Um, with Louis C.K., right, like there's this weird economic arrangement that he has with FX where he owns the show. Um, they don't give him notes or anything. Uh, they uh, and they don't get their fingers into the production at all, right? They give him a lump sum of you know however many millions of dollars it is though i think it was actually like mid six figures in in that first season i think it was actually like a, a an astonishingly small uh amount of money um to the tune of like 50 or 60 or seventy-five thousand dollars an episode which is unheard of to make television for that little money uh to make scripted television for that little money um and he gives them back a show and he, you know, he owns it. He owns the creative. He pays everybody himself. Uh, you know, it's his company, Pig Newton, that makes it. Um, and so that this, I mean, th- this, these two kind of strange economic arrangements for television. One is the creator owned show and the other is the sort of subscription model uh, that, by the way, like the, the hot thing right at the moment as we record this is is something that's getting called on the internet like subcompact publishing. The idea of people putting out these like $2 a month online magazines that you can read on tablets and things like this. And like uh, Marco Arment has done one with one called The Magazine and then The All uh, does a a thing where they like wrap their five best articles in an iPad app and and sell that to you for a dollar an issue or something like that at at the end of the week. It's called like Weekend Edition or, or weekend readers, I forget what the fuck it's called, but anything, anything like that, the, the subscription model, um, not direct to the artist in HBO's case, but more direct to the artist than the commercial television model, right? Like this is the thing that kind of enables the artistic freedom to make these to make these sort of TV show statements, which, you know, I mean, we're not talking about the cremaster cycle here. It's not like this is Holy Motors, right? Or like, our, you know, meshes of the afternoon or like a serious like art film. But um, that is less tethered to it's less tethered to market forces than than commercial television is. Interesting. And I think that interpretation also then I actually dovetails really nicely with the prior discussion about kind of the model of artistic protection that we see the character Hannah engaging in to produce her book, um, to produce her memoir, her collection of personal essays, versus the actual kind of mode of production that and the socioeconomic circumstances of Lena Dunham. Um, and that there is if there if the you know the the upside um, of of girls uh, is if it can kind of consider this nature of of ownership and what it means to own things um, in this kind of knowledge economy um, where things you know where where the nature of property rights and the nature of the goods has changed uh, and there's a changing marketplace um, I think that 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 is where there is a potential very kind of interesting um, kind of message um and statement of girls and and so that if it can kind of consider that um and some of these you know at least in not direct ways but implicitly think about how some of these aspects of modes of production um of modes of artistic production and kind of cultural capitalism um is where then it could potentially say something interesting right if the mode if this description mode enables the making of art that both through the the technique and through the the the, the storytelling actually gets at 
something interesting or an interesting representation of this specific moment that leads to its creation, then it's doing something very interesting rather than kind of like selling this false dream, right? Like, you know, if girls is just, you know, convincing, um, you know, girls uh, or young women to go out and live like girls, then it's very bad, right? If it messages, you could do this and you can live the dream, then it's, it's, you know, normatively undesirable. But I feel like that that's not necessarily the mission. And maybe one thing, last thing to consider, um, or one last like stretch to consider as we as we wrap, um, is you know the one thing we we talked a lot about the um, teenagers dimension of our our core question, um, of our core research question. But we actually didn't talk a lot about the fucking question. Yeah, and it's I know we're wrapping up, but I wanted to talk a little bit about about the nudity, which I think is really interesting, and which has you know. Um, it generated its own kind of controversy recently in the form in the last couple of days in the form of this uh, execrable New York Post uh, article, which you know. And before we even leap to that, I think that like they're at, there's another level at which this kind of the 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 fucking question um, is is important, and it's the relationship of. Um, you know, of girls to sex in the city, right? Um, and I think that the Shoshana character, the Zosia Mamet's character, has, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe, has a um, sex in the city poster in her dorm room or in her apartment. Um, and, like, there is, especially early on, in the, like the second episode, um, this kind of very deliberate kind of take mocking take on sex in the city of they you know before um jessa's uh, abortion uh they're sitting and eating tasty delight and talking about this like self-help book you know this listen ladies um and and so and i think that there's this this you know if if the you know the problematic is i don't think that girls is intending to be like spur um like trying to create copycats in the way that um, I think, I mean, it's arguable that Sex in the City did. It, it both reflected something that was happening and then kind of fed it. Um, and it's unclear what relation girls will have to to reality. And I think that that's like a big open question with the series. And again, it's just like kind of closing the loop on this kind of the artistic where the artistic. And the means and the artistic production side meet uh, that we were just discussing, and this larger question about the kind of narrative and the mode of production. Well, um, maybe we'll need to have another symposium about girls uh, once the um, uh, once the the second season begins, or maybe a little bit into the second season, so that we can we can take this up because there's a lot to say. Let's, but let's like um, let's let's kind of at least uh, tease it a little bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not the one who has somewhere to be. Yeah. Listen, you know, if there's uh if 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 there's ideas in the mind, play ball, you know. <laughs> uh, let's, uh uh I I I I don't want to stop. Uh, um no, so I think that I think it's just worth um yeah, so I mean, what what's the kind of the teaser on the kind of nudity angle, or and I think that also, in some ways, also intersects with what we were just discussing about the kind of, you know, the HBO being on HBO, um, and and that model. But I think that beyond that, what's kind of interesting, or what's there that hasn't been right? Well, I mean, I think that there's there's implicit 
criticism of the HBO model of premium television being that television which can provide you like a very high quality of of titillating TNA, right? And that like especially Game of Thrones sort of gets uh, gets sort of dinged for this. Um, yeah, right. Uh, you know, with the addition of the uh, the the Tommy Carcetti whore instruction uh, scene in the do you, do you watch Game of Thrones, Ryan? I do not. Oh, okay. Well, there's a there's a scene not in the book uh, added. There's a scene uh, added to the TV series in the first in the first season where they they actually follow uh, like they follow one of the hookers. Hookers are everywhere in this uh, in this. Um, fantasy world uh in the george r. r martin fantasy world but they follow one to the big city they follow one to to the new york of um uh to the new york of this this fantasy universe and uh where she gets a a long lesson in you know pleasuring the other whores uh from uh the wires tommy carcetti uh and it's right like and it was j- called out rightly for being super exploitative not you know just being sort of the most cynical kind of tna for the sake of uh you know for the sake of tna and i think you know i don't know i think that sort of lena dunham by like by making one of the subjects of the show like uh, forcing you to confront the reality of her body uh seems to be kind of taking to task um uh, taking to task our desires in you know, in, in sort of watching this kind of thing and our desires for, for a kind of soft focus, Skinamax, um, you know, soft core, uh, kind of like, uh, uh, sex scenes and, and things like this. Like I, I thought that the scene where she and the pharmacist were fucking was really, uh, was really kind of, um, kind of interesting, uh, because like it was, it was pretty raw, uh and then also like how how distorted how sort of extreme her sexuality was right like that is to say she's like sticking a finger in the pooper she's like am i tight like a baby she's you know what i mean she's saying uh all these things sort of associated with adam um and and kind of associated with new york and the the slightly more normal vanilla sexuality of uh of michigan is um you know, I don't know, seems sort of tame by comparison, right? Right. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, I think that that's, and, and so kind of, it is interesting that like this has, um, I mean, a lot of the, the kind of critical discourse around this has also been into this, like, Oh, like it's partially like, how dare she force us to look at her? Right. Like, um, and not, it's, it's not, it's it's kind of taking her to task for being like an exhibitionist or something right like is is part of the discourse like um and i and i guess like part of what you're showing is that in some ways there are not other ways to depict some of these things other than through i guess this is the question is that could the points could the artistic points be made in other ways or is uh is the nudity necessary no i don't think so because i think if you try to make the artistic points in other ways like through a lecture or something like that you become like Catherine mckinnon you know you become an anti-porn crusader um in uh, right in some ways but but to say that to say that like hey this character likes sex everyone likes sex sex is exciting sex is great but but like let's let's kind of let's kind of examine let's kind of examine uh, critically the pleasure that we get from 
you know, from these particular, from this particular style of de- depiction by putting up in the, you know, I mean, in HBO, the seat of modern TNA, um, by by putting this by putting this this depiction of a much more sort of average looking body right uh on display yeah and there are like lots of kinds of other like there's almost there there's there's a little bit of a kind of like sexual keystone cops right like um that like not that the keystone cops are sexual but like there's lots of other kinds of misadventures of various kinds right of um whether it is you know, a the episode long in, in like examination of Hannah having like HPV, or like you know when Marnie is having sex and trying to get back together with her boyfriend Charlie, she like you know hits her head in his loft, or like when Shoshana kind of sees uh, Jessa uh, have sex and have this kind of like not exactly a revenge um, sex, but a kind of like this kind of manipulative, not even this this kind of remembrance sex or something um you know that there is lots of kind of it's 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 it has this kind of like it's not prat folly exact it's not exactly three stooges or keystone cops but it is a little bit of of kind of showing illuminating like what can go wrong not as at, at the expense of the characters but at the you know that that it's it's a hyper real sex in the opposite way that like you know, pornography is right that, right um, and and so that it's a hyper real uh, exploration of the other parts of sex um, of the uncomfortable confusing parts right I mean it's I mean it strikes me that it's also it's particularly urban because like one of the um, one of the just the facts of urban life of having a lot of people kind of stacked on top of each other in in old apartments with narrow walls and stuff is that you can hear your neighbors doing it it's like college again right like and that um and that like with with sort of less you know prudery with less sort of victorian mores kind of uh that we have contemporarily like that you know you, you can hear people like uh screaming and banging against the headboard and stuff like this and it's uh actually you know marnie uh marnie hears uh what uh, hannah and adam going at it in in her room um and like and also like sort of the like the meta sexual conversation the cope the, you know what i mean the okay good 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 you good right okay go go now go go you know what i mean the like the the sort of coordination um meta conversation is is funny also but like the 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 way that urban life modern life can can sort of and also sort of young life being in college can sort of put you in close proximity uh, to that can put you in close proximity to sort of bodies and, um, you know, and, and what they are, uh, you know, uh, what they're good for. And I mean, this, this is the thing I think that marks girls as a comedy, because like I've said here before, comedy is always on the side of the body against the mind and is about, in fact, the revolt of the body against, you know, fancified ideas. Um, so, you know, here, here we are, uh, yeah, here we are with sort of bodies, you know, going at it every which way. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think that that's why I, I think that's exactly right. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I think, and so I think in summary, these are all of a piece, right? I think part of our, um, like what we've come to is that all of these elements are all 
kind of connected and all part of the the what's interesting and exciting about um about about girls um it makes it kind of it does make it a um a a tft piece right um well because we finally answered our question and we can begin the podcast now <laughs> exactly i'm just start I want to I want to tease one thing before we go, which is that um, at the moment, Ryan and I and Ben Adams and Pete Fenzel are involved in a project to do some recaps or to do some sort of discussions around the second the third series of Downton Abbey, which, as we record, is airing uh, on PBS, though it aired last year uh, in the UK. And so um, Downton Abbey, especially because it's a show that's that's focused on how we ought to live and the kind of the, the, the responsibilities of a whole class kind of caught in a perpetual adolescence. Um, is uh, is definitely an interesting show from a TFT perspective and from a larger overthinking it perspective. So there there will be um, some sort of media, video or audio or something uh, this week uh, and the next few weeks with each episode of Downton Abbey. And you should follow for that uh, the overthinking it Twitter at overthinking it um, if you want to know more about that. This show is on Twitter at TFT Podcast. You can email us at TFT Podcast at overthinking it.com uh you can follow our facebook page which is these fucking teenagers on facebook uh leave a comment on the show notes you can call or text 20 fat jog zero one that's two zero three two eight five six four zero one uh we'll be back probably with another intercession episode or two before we get back to the regular semester uh but until then we can uh come back and we can can discuss the the sub humphrey classes we can discuss the phenomenon of petit bourgeois faith uh, we can discuss the role of the cultural capitalists and, and whether they'll hoard their wealth or spread it around. But most of all, we will always, always discuss these fucking teenagers. Teen-